It's me, Melissa, and welcome to episode four of This Human Life, the podcast. If it's the first time that you are listening in, hello, welcome. I've been describing this as a kind of companion podcast to um, my book, which is called This Human explore things that I've written about, but also I explore things that are not necessarily in the book, but stuff I've been researching and and exploring and applying in my life, um, not just in my work, because, you know, all the things that I'm interested in have got to do with what it means to be human and how we show up as people. So a broad application, one would say, as a human being myself, So the intention is to have an intimate conversation with you, the listener, as intimate as a one-way monologue can get, I guess. So this week I wanted to talk a little bit more about beliefs. I keep coming back to this because, oh, because they're in the background and they're constantly at work and they affect so much of um, what we perceive and how we make sense of things and the decisions that we make both in our professional worlds and in our personal worlds. So they deserve some uncovering and some exploration, I think. And um, I touched on them briefly in the introductory episode, episode one, but I want to spend a little bit more time on them this week. And also I've just recently Uh, published an article on thishuman.com, which is called The Anatomy of Beliefs. So I'll be referring a little bit to that. But there's so much happening in the background subconsciously. You know, it's hard to believe that (laughs) we actually are in control of anything. Our body is pretty much doing its own thing most of the time. Like we're not directing it to regenerate cells and beat our heart and secrete enzymes and monitor hormone levels and stuff that all just happens and we don't necessarily need to be consciously setting tasks for the body to be able to do that so that's all sort of background processes and then there are our instincts which you know in times of um, fight or flight that just they're so automatic and they just happen so quickly and then the very small percentage of um, our body's processes really is the the conscious thought, which is the thought that you know that you're doing. It's also the the newest part of our brain. All that happens in the neocortex. So I just, I feel like by spending some time exploring those different aspects of self that are running autonomously, then we can get a better understanding of why we show up the way that we show up. And by also having a practice around inquiring about those things, it also gives you access to be able to change some of those processes that might be happening in the background without you realizing. I'm not referring to the physiological ones. I'm referring more to the, you know, the psychological ones perhaps. And I think that beliefs, the way that I talk about beliefs at least, um, fall into that category where they're kind of running in the background. It's kind of like the operating system. I think I've referred to them that way in the past. We don't even realize that we create them. And the reason why it's important to spend time kind of, uh, what is that saying? Is it looking in under the hood or something? 
um, delving deeper and exploring these beliefs that we have. If you're listening to this, well, you're um, obviously human, perhaps in the field of human-centered design or you're a leader um, and you are passionate about wanting to lead in ways that are human-centered and creative and, and interested in developing yourself as a leader or as a designer. People often ask me, what is one of the crucial things that is required for people who want to deepen their practice in design or human-centered design or, or leadership? And I often say that it's self-awareness. And the reason why I talk about self-awareness is not because I'm advocating a particular spiritual practice or even a particular personal practice. What, I, what I'm referring to is the inclination to be able to reflect on your contribution to certain events as opposed to um, assuming that you're at the whim of things that happen to you or outside of you. And self-awareness usually comes from a place of, of questioning to be saying, how did I contribute to this situation? Um, what could I have done differently? Um, what is it about the way that I'm listening? You know, why is it that I reacted this way? So that, that kind of inquiry into self creates a state of self-awareness. And when you are self-aware, then, you know, especially with this type of work around human centricity and leadership in design, you have the capacity to be able to expand your knowledge and improve your practice in both design and leadership. And that's why I turn up and um, have these intimate one-way conversations <laughs> with you because I've had many years doing things right and doing things wrong and I want to share. I want to share that with you, uh, my experience with you. You know, one of the things that I find is really influential is the beliefs and the beliefs that are running in the background. Now, beliefs can come from two different places. They can be beliefs that have been created externally and they're kind of the socialized beliefs or the beliefs that you kind of get indoctrinated into and they could be social norms, um, they could be your family's customs, um, your religious beliefs, all of those things that actually exist outside of you and that you would then internalize, you know, so they, the, the direction is outside in. And then there are these other types of beliefs that are internal. They're, you know, beliefs that you just kind of make up about yourself. <laughs> you know, one day you might decide that you are good or not at a certain thing, and they're the self-created beliefs. And both are good and both can be bad. The reason why I like to talk about beliefs is to bring awareness to the fact that A, they exist, and B, that you can actually work with them, that you don't need to assume that because you have those beliefs that they're fixed and they're set in cement and they are forever yours. You can question whether or not the belief that you have about a certain thing is actually still helping you, is still a resourceful belief. Like, for example, you may... You may have a belief that you're not a good drawer and um, that often happens to us as we go through school. Um, there's often a, a, a story that I relay from a book that I read called Orbiting the Giant Hairball by mm, Gordon McKenzie, I think. And, uh, you know, he talks about, he's a he's an artist, a metal worker, and he uh, talks about his experience in working with children and asks them, you know, at the age of 
five or four or five when they've just started school, who in this uh, room is a good drawer, who in this room is an artist, and everyone puts their hand up. And then by the time they're 11 or 12, uh, the same question elicits a completely different response where one person, if that, will be kind of shyly raising their hand and saying, yeah, I can draw a bit. And by the time we're adults, except for those people obviously in the industry who are, you know, illustrators, most of us believe that we can't. And that belief, um, I can't tell you how many times I've come across a person who's been wanting to get into the field of human-centered design who's stopped by the fact that they believe they can't draw and also have a belief that drawing is a fundamental skill that one needs to be able to do this type of work. And so if you are aware that there are these things called beliefs that are operating in the background and you know that you have access to them and that you absolutely can interrogate them and ask yourself, what beliefs do I have around this situation? And then list them out. Then you can look at them and say, well, are these beliefs actually helpful? And if they're not helpful, then please, please, please change them. And I know that sounds like a really radical idea. But that's how you created it in the first place. You just decided a belief is a thought and it's a thought that gets reinforced over and over and over again. So you can create new ones and then reinforce those new ones and live uh, differently, show up differently. There's kind of like a, I don't know, what I have observed in myself at least, I've tried to unpack how these beliefs get formed and I'm talking about the self-created beliefs and it often starts with an experience. It might be the first time that you're doing something and you're, you know, a beautiful blank slate and you, you do this thing that's new to you and you have an experience of that and that experience, that initial experience whether it's someone saying that you did a good job or not a good job or whether you it was a running thing, you made the distance or you didn't or whatever it is, that initial experience is your sensed reality. So that's your what your body is, is picking up as the experience through all of your senses and it's pure data, right? So there's, there's actually, it's just your body kind of going, this is happening and it's just data. And then what the brain does is it takes all of that information, that sensed information, and it allocates this original thought to it, which often is accurate in the moment. It's momentarily accurate. So it might be in my blog, you know, I, I use a high jump as an example where a guy runs at the bar and he's happy he hasn't done this before, no baggage, goes for it and doesn't make the height. And it's kind of like, ouch. I hit the bar, I'm lying flat on my back on the crash mat. Ouch, sensed reality. And then the very next thing, so obviously happens in like milliseconds, microseconds sometimes, that the original thought is momentarily correct, which might be, that was too high for me. And in that moment, that's correct. That thought is true. And then immediately after that thought, as you kind of get up off the crash mat and you're walking away from the bar that's on the floor, you have this thought. I mean, you don't have this thought. You have an emotion that's attached to the thought. And that's kind of like this feeling of sadness or disappointment. Soon after that, your brain does something else, which is it allocates meaning 
to that feeling. And that meaning that gets made appears in our mind as another thought. And that thought might be, I'm hopeless at high jump. You know, how many of us, after having tried something for the first time or have been giving something a crack for like six months and are comparing ourselves to the professionals in the field that have been doing it for 25 years and decide after six months of having a go at something that we're no good? You know, six months is a pretty decent effort, red hot go, right? Sometimes we give up <laughs> after the first try. And the, the danger here is that once you allocate meaning to that emotion that's linked to the original thought of the experience that you've just had, that has the potential of becoming a belief. So your belief might be that you are hopeless at high jump. And that's kind of like a forever thing, that statement, I am hopeless at high jump. That kind of puts you in a little bit of a loop because that thought then um, triggers the same emotion and that emotion triggers the same thought. So you get into this sort of reinforcing cycle. That's how you establish a belief around your ability to leap small buildings in a single bound. And the really, really tricky thing about beliefs is because they happen in the background, you may not necessarily be aware that you're thinking this, but that belief will absolutely affect your action. So if you believe that you're hopeless at something, the chances of you succeeding in that action is so much more reduced than if you believed that you had potential. And that is how powerful our mind can be. That is how in tune our mind and our body actually is. And that's why it's really worth allocating the time to be able to A, understand the beliefs that you have around certain aspects of your life and B, do yourself a favour and just interrogate them every now and then and, and understand whether or not they're actually still in service of who you are now and what you're trying to achieve. Because another thing about you as a person is that you're kind of not the same as what you were six months ago or even yesterday sometimes because life keeps happening and we keep changing and hopefully if you're a curious individual who constantly you know likes to learn and expand you're you're going to be evolving and society is changing as well so it's really important to see whether or not the beliefs that we have are in step with our own development, our own personal development, and also whether or not they're in step with um, what life looks like outside of us and what life requires of us in terms of how we show up and how we want to show up, the type of life that we want to lead. And sometimes, you know, this is just like the last thing that I'm going to say and then I'll leave you be. Sometimes it's just this one massive belief that you have that is in the way of you going out and doing the most amazing things. And a really common one is belief in yourself. Some of the people I've worked with in a coaching capacity, you know, when I work with them, I 
I can see, I can see their potential. I don't know how else to explain it. Like I can see um, what's sort of there, what's underneath all the, all the armor, all the experience, all the status or whatever it is. Even people in really, really high places question whether or not they can and they have a, they have a limiting belief around themselves. You know, sometimes it's, you know, I'm not worth it, or sometimes it's, I can't. And that's a really, really important and worthwhile belief to do some work on. <laughs> and then another belief that I, like, these are like the big overarching ones, right? So another one that I've come across that's really limiting is not believing in possibility, along the lines with, you know, the, the really strong link between your mind and your body, believing that anything is possible, believing in magic, believing in miracles, gives you such a head start to be able to do the miraculous as opposed to not. So I often leave these sessions <laughs> with, a little social experiment for you to try for the next week before you hear from me again. And this time it's, um, I just want you to pick one, just pick one belief that you have, that your intuition is kind of going, hmm, let's mess with this one. Let's get a little bit creative and change it. Change the belief into something that excites you. That if you were to believe this, something amazing would be possible. And then live, act in a way where that belief is true. Observe what happens. <laughs> I know, it's scary, but you can do it. Have fun. I look forward to connecting with you again in a week. Take care.